0: Last week, I know last week,
1: many of you um, probably were kind of struck with the uh, message, and I received lots and lots of good encouragement, questions, people thinking about what was uh, presented last week, and that is is exactly what we want. That's awesome. And my door is always open, always, uh, any day, if you want to come and talk about a sermon or talk about uh, something you're thinking about, often what I preach. Please do uh, see so me. See one of the elders uh, talk with us. We would love to do that. And I want to, commend so many of you who told me that you spent the week in confession, in confessing to God, and confessing in marriages, and confessing among you know uh, your friends of uh, things that you know God's convicted. Lay on your heart that you were living in sin in certain areas. And I want to encourage you to Say that that is exactly what God desires. That his people live a life of confession in this way. So uh, I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful you for your readiness to hear the word of God, and obey, listen, and, and, uh, and to uh, interact with this. So thank you for that. And I also want to just say, it laying uh, open this video, I've got, some of you know me for 13 years now, I've got a condition where I have mouthful, and today I have. One name and several, one domain in my front. Room. So, if I look right, I am not happy. That is not it. Um, every time I try to talk, it's rubbing that sore, and it is uh, it's always on my mind. So, if I look a little stirred, I can't really smile. Anymore. So, uh, maybe I should just stop and say, I'm smiling. Uh, uh, I'm very excited. I'm not angry with anybody I've or bothered. I just want you to know that. I know it bothers somebody if you think something's going on. Uh, Psalm 33 Shout for joy in the Lord, hope righteous and praise the fits the saints give thanks to the Lord with the lyre make melody to him with the harp of ten streams sing to him a new song play skillfully on the streams with loud shouts For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness he loves righteousness and justice the earth is full of of the steadfast love of the Lord. The covenant love of God. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it cannot and came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen, chosen as His hand. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where He sits enthroned, He looks out, on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds.
0: The king is not
1: saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfastness, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in faith. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, the covenant of O oh Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in mm-hmm. you. This morning I want to preach a sermon entitled, Trust in God Produces Worship of God. When we trust God, we worship God. Humans were created to worship God at the very basic level of our existence is this desire to worship. And God made all humans this way because we are made in His image. We are the image bearers of God. Adam was created, Eve was created in the image of God. And so, in our very DNA, we might say, there is this desire to glorify our Creator, And that's what God intended. But in our natural father, Adam, who is the head of the whole human race, we all rebelled against God. All of us. You hear that clearly? Not Republicans and not Democrats. All of us are independents. Not those who uh, who are, are uh, famous and rich rebelled against God and the poor God's got free. Oh, not black, not white, not Jew, not Gentile. Everybody in Adam rebelled against God. We were created for purpose, and every one of us in Adam decided, I'm not good at that. And we then begin to exalt things to be worshipped, whether that was ourselves, or as Carl pointed out, our hobbies, or our jobs, or our families, or our money, or our insurance, or our nation. We all begin to exalt things as our God so we can worship them because we did not desire to worship God. But let me say this clearly every human being, breathing, worships something. Everything. There are no exceptions. You may be sitting there saying, I'm agnostic, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, I don't worship anything. Yes, you do. True. Whatever keeps you up at night, won't give you peace to sleep and runs you all day long that's your God the question you've got to ask yourself is this, is what I'm worshiping going to last me for all time. can it support me forever? because what David says about his God is he's steadfast and he never fails and that's been the essence of this song that whatever you're trusting produces worship And I'm saying trusting in God produces worship of God. But if you trust in sex, you will worship sex. If you trust in money, you will worship money and the ways to get money. If you worship athleticism and athletic events, you will fashion your life around such. That's what you're trusting in. And I know, listen, I love football. Everybody knows I love football. But guys, girls i said that both in the south, the guys and the girls both worship this thing all for all. Listen to me. If your entire life is good or bad based on how your favorite team is performing, get a grill. Honestly, if your life ends at the end of football season and picks up again in spring training and ends again at the end of the spring training and picks up again in August, get a grip. Recognize that won't last. If it, better be good enough to support you in the overwhelming flood of this life and in eternity. I have to believe we are going to play football. <laughs> so you know i going to make the ball of the ball practicing and loving it, it rightly, I hope. Because I think it will exist. Games like that will exist forever. Right? I think we're going to play with a good time. All of it there will be centered around right place, right worship, glorify God for His ability to create such magnificence afterwards. We should be worshiping God because if not, we're worshiping something because all of us are created. The Bible says we are all in our very hearts idolaters. Idolaters. Luther did not seek to tear down the idol statues of the Roman Catholic Church only, but to tear down the idol factories that existed in people. As Calvin said, our hearts are themselves factories that produce idols. And so the idea of this song is what are you trusting in because that is what you worship. And I'm saying, trust in God so that you might worship Let's look at this together. First of all, we are commanded to worship God in verses 1 through 5. That's what I see overriding this whole thing, tying all of the beginning verses together is this command to worship. You notice it? Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise and confess the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with delight. Make melody to him with the heart of the tent tree. Sing to him a new song. Place him clean on the streets with loud shouts. You see, this is a command; it's not optional. He's not saying, "When it feels good, do it." He's saying, "Do it." Right? The idea is to always be doing it. Ephesians captures this very idea when Paul says that we are to correct one another. Live with one another, correcting one another, rebuking one another, loving one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's not necessarily three categories of songs, rather all the songs of worship are to being passed back and forth as a way to encourage, rebuke, correct, teach, and all the life is to Puritans often get this bad rap about being these stodgy people who black all the time, walking around frowning, mad at the world, wanting to put somebody in prison not believing in the correct doctrine, cut somebody's head off, and bowl somebody in some oil. That's the way we start talking about Puritans. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Puritan towns in the East Coast and the colonies of this country were filled with Satan. During the Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards for us, that people sing on the street corners. Work was carried out in the carpenter shop and in the blacksmith shop with much singing and shouting joy. Now, don't you just think about this. If we lived in a society where, as right, we went about our work daily, we were singing a hymn to God and then it just started flowing out, and then we would just every now and then just spontaneously say, Praise the Lord because He delivered me. Think about that. But that's how their societies live. Why? Because they had such trust in God. A lot of times when we gather around the pool, uh, the, uh, in the office in of the break room around the water fountain, water pool, we're praising what we put our trust in. God always would have blocked Right? So he stopped off the day four years out we're in the and that crashing What's the supposed to do about it? The other thing was the last time he read the Bible Because he just couldn't help. He just had to, to take it couple of guys had to He is not David said that's the kind of thing that should be going on, he commands it to go on. He said, Shout to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Play a song to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And here we're told that the saints of God are called to worship. Verse 1 it's not a general all the earth kind of worship or all the peoples of the earth kind of worship. It's that the saints are the worship. O you righteous. O you the upright. Saints. That's where I keep saying saints. I think that word there, upright, it's kind of lost. It's right. It's correct. That's the way it can be translated. But saints is a good translation. It's a good translation. Saints. Now, don't get the wrong impression about what I'm is. the same thing anyone saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Enrolled in the land of the life. Living in faith to God. That's the same. Not John Paul II. You don't need any two your miracles to make you a saint. You are in Christ. Okay? The Bible calls you so praise is befitting to the saints. So it's the saints that are being commanded to worship. And we're being commanded to worship two ways primarily in verse 2-3 through three. we're to worship in song. First of all we're to worship in song. The shouts for joy and the praise and the thanksgivings here and the melody that we're to be bringing forth and the singing and the playing skillfully. All that comes Praising in song. It's not just giving thanks, but it's singing thanks to God. You notice that because it says, give thanks to the Lord with what? A liar. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Now, I know all of you have a liar at home, right? Sits next to your bed, you wake up in the middle of the night, your heart's overflowing, you pick it up and play. But I don't even know what a liar is, Dave. Do you know what a liar is? Like, not that you're a liar. Oh, you warned it. Well, he he's going to be sitting in the God wanted the elder to help you with what you do. Yeah. No. You're not a liar. You're all strong. But it's, it's an issue, right? I'm not here to Yeah. There's a lot of dispute about what kind of instrument it is. Uh, but the point is that the fact that he's saying, give thanks to the Lord how? With song. Make melody to him, make a song to him with a heart, sing to him, play skillfully to him, shout to him, that's in the idea of the song. Shout for joy the Lord. The first two, three verses are all focused on songs, singing, praise. But that's not all. He then says, Worship him with your lifestyle. Verse four: For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Your lifestyle matters because God's work is being done in the lifestyles and the works of the people in this world. And if your work is not upright, your lifestyle is not fitting of you, then you're not worshiping you.
0: So it's not just that we
1: come here and sing a few songs and get all happy in Jesus and in that rally and we go live our life. It's that we come here and we sing. We go home and we sing. We sing at work. We sing in our break rooms. We sing in our cars. Some of y'all jam out and the windows are up and the air's running and songs are going and you just blasted out. Right? You can admit I do. You can probably park behind me and saw get with it. It's alright. It's okay to sing and just that kind. Of and excited about Jesus and have anytime, anywhere, anywhere, anyplace through saul and through your lifestyle, through the way you choose to walk in uprightness. All of his works are built in righteousness. He loves righteousness and justice in your life has to be righteous and justice. The earth is full of the covenant love of God. How is it full of the covenant love of God? In many ways, but one way is that His. people. So, the world is set to be full of covenant love. And the bearers of this covenant love, going to love others in that covenant love, with that covenant love, with the message of that covenant love. And so, David says, The whole earth is being filled with this. Praise to God from both the song and the life. So, the first thing is, this passage, here, are commanded to praise and worship God. Secondly, we are called to rely on God's word. Verses 6 through 12. Everything else in this passage points us back to this idea of worshiping. If you want to know, so I've just said in the first five verses, you're to worship God. You're saying, well, how? Why? What's the foundation? I'm giving you the foundation now. David's giving you the foundation for this point forward in Psalm 33. What's the foundation of worship?
0: Not emotion and
1: feeling. But first of all, foundation is to rely on God's word, to trust in God's word. Verses 69 say that the word of God created all things. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the bread of his mouth all their hosts, animals, creeping things, birds, humans, all the hosts of the earth were made. Fish, by the bread of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea as a he puts the deeps in the storehouse. I'm just going to stop right there and then the to say now, but I'm just going to say this children and adults. Children, I tell my children this all the time. We don't deny evolution because we think it's a bad idea. We deny macro level evolution that this world came into existence on its own through its own processes because the Bible denies that. Sound deny because you think it sounds fanciful at this point in your life, children, don't just deny because you say, oh, that doesn't sound very true. I don't think I believe it. Because trust me, when you get to college, there will be people who will make it not so fanciful. That will be brilliant enough and smart enough to make it sound so enticing and so locked, hair tight and true. And then you'll be led away. But if you deny it, not because it sounds funny to you at this point, but you deny it Because the Word of God denied then you can stand, even when it sounds plausible in your older years. The very fact is that God created the world through His mouth, through His word. He spoke. Genesis chapter one shows us that in creation, time the Lord said, "Let there be," and there was. You're out of the That's the way he creates. So, what evokes the praise of God's people? The trust in God's Word. One of the reasons we trust this Word is that he is powerful to create created all things. Everything in this world exists by the Word of God. All the things we see, all the things we trust. see, as see, we must have created it. Basic building block of creation, living organisms. What? The chain block. And if you listen to a scientist, a good one, they will tell you that is a chain of what? Information. It's an information chain. Every cell inside the body is wired from the beginning with a chain of information. They only describe it, or they used to when I was in school, as, it's, as a train, open coal parts, and I'm all the inside inside, just going around, doing what it's supposed to do. Right? That's what they sell the body of our children. They are packed with information. The question you need to ask is, and if the scientists can't answer to you, is where did that information come from? Because David says, you can't created it by Now what I'm saying is, is that God is the author of life, all life, and he did it through his word, not through a continual process. There's another problem with believing in the process. And, and there are good men who disagree with me on this that are very good Christian men, and good Christian teachers. Okay? So I'm not trying to thank anybody. I'm only take one side. But for time's sake, I'm telling you my stance here. But I will tell you something. When we start monkeying with how God created the beginnings, we kind of lose a grip on all of them. Okay? And you we say, well, I believe God started with evolution, called the es- theistic evolution, and then I became kind through a process came into existence. Let me tell you the problem with that is that's not a picture. I believe at the beginning God gave a picture of how he started your spiritual life. You had He a physical life. He spoke it and it was so, and in your spiritual life he said to you live and you live. It wasn't that he Crafted just this some process where it happened, you know, through natural occurrences that you met certain people and bumped into it and then you kind of came into being over time, you No, know, you were spoken to life, you were called to life by the power of his word that happened. And I think back in the beginning, the picture of that is physical creation. So if we monkey with that, then we start losing grip on things. That's just one problem. There's lots of other problems. Another problem is that the most evolutionists self-respecting means they are denying macroevolution every day. Walking away from it. It doesn't explain the truth. So we have the word of God. And we are to trust and rely on it because it is the word of creation. We look at verse 6. We see that it's by the word of the Lord that he created the heavens, and all that is in them, and all that is in that uh, the, the host of heaven. And then he gathers the waters. God actually said to the waters, here is where you belong, you do not belong here. And he stored them up in the storehouse, both on the, in the oceans and above the firmament, in the firmament, the storehouse of the heavens. God did that by his word. Let all the earth be, verse 8 in response, that all the earth fear the Lord, that all the inhabitants of the world World, stand in awe of Him, in respect of Him, in fear that is befitting a king. Stand in awe of His Creator, for He spoke and it came to be. He commanded. You. So, first we see in these first verses, verses 6 through 9, creative work. Then we see the providential work. It's not just that we trust in the creative work of God, but we trust in His overseeing of the world around us. We trust in the fact that God is in charge of this nation and all nations. We trust in that. Do you trust in that? Do you? Do you trust that God has not shut down the government of heaven, nor the fact that He will hear? Some, it's hard to know. That's not trust because on Facebook it looks like we trust something else. We worship him when we trust him. We trust him, not just in general. We trust him in creation and we trust him in his providence. Verses 10 through 12. The Lord brings the council of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The council of the Lord stands forever in contrast. You see the contrast? The nations have counsel, the nations have plans, but God's counsel stands forever while their counsel comes to an end. God's plan exists forevermore. In his heart, there is a the plan, and he goes from generation to generation. Nothing's happening by circumstance or chance in our world today. From the elected officials that sit in offices to the civil servants who work on our behalf, God has put them all where they are. He has given them the strength and power that they have to carry out their job. And whether I like what they're doing at the moment or not, God ultimately is providentially in charge and ruling. And so I can go back and not fret the word because my trust is not in these things comes from trusting God. It's very practical. We trust him as the creator. We trust him as the providential ruler of all men. Now verse 12 is very clear, isn't it? You are blessed as a nation when God is the Lord. The people that he has chosen. chosen as this is a statement by David to the people of Israel. God chose him from all the nations of the earth. And God will keep them for his purpose in all the earth. You're blessed. That's what he says. That's what he teaches us. Right? If we are in God's people, we are blessed, you can say. And if God has chosen us as his inheritance, he will keep us, surely. As sure as he can keep, and did keep. And did finish his work in Israel, he can finish his work today, you know, and he just did it today. That's the trust that we have in the Word of the Lord. creative, work, and a confidential Word. Overseeing It's not just, see, I'm the fear I have, and some of you, I talked to you about this this week, and you came to me about last week's sermon, you're real concerned in some ways, and I respect that, I understand that. Now welcome that, and then we need to talk more about it. But let me tell you, one of the things I think that we're really struggling with right now, Grace Fellowship, is not being <coughs> good deeds. Who believe God did all these sovereign things and put all these things in place, but he isn't involved in my daily life. I'm just I'm I'm just being honest with you. It's easy to just go through our day as if God's not involved, and as if he doesn't care. And as if he's left us some instructions and we're reading the to do the best we can do. And so we have a problem when we say that God will discipline his children even through the use of physical suffering. We have a problem with because we say, now wait a minute, God's not doing that because they're not involved with me on a daily personal level. That's one of the problems that I think we do have. And this verse encourages us not to read that. It says that the nation is blessed whose God is the Lord. And the people that he has chosen as his heritage, as his inheritance, as his remembrance throughout all of the ages. David didn't see it. The yield God is separated way out there, but he saw God as infinitely involved with in Israel. we need that same trust in our day. Third, we are called to allow God to work. We're called to worship. The foundation of that is a belief in God's word as powerful. And then secondly, the second foundation in his work, we rely on his work. Verse 13. God's work is above man's work. Verse 13 through 17 makes this clear. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of man. Not just his children, but all children. From where he sits in throne, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. Okay? So God's looking out of all men from his throne and he sees them all. And look at verse 15 says. He's looking at the one who fashions the heart. And he who fashions the heart of them all. He's looking at them as the one who fashions all of their hearts. And the one who has observed by all of their deeds. So the work of God is primary here. God notice, God looks and sees the children of man. God Fashion, their heart. God is the one. This is the work of God. is primary. That is is behind all things. God is the one who observes, oversees that work to be seen. It oversees, directs all their deeds.
0: So that's why I said we have to
1: trust in God's work. So first of all, we see that God's work is above man's work, and then we see that God's work is in the one who fears Him. Verses eighteen through nineteen. Behold, God the Lord is. In his steadfast, steadfast love. God's eye. It's not just that he looks out. You know, verse 13 is a very general looking, but verse 18 is a very intimate look. His eye is on the one who trusts in him, who fears him, and on those who hope in his steadfast love. That he may deliver their souls from death and keep alive in him. So David describes the work of God in fashioning people's heart, all men's heart, and looking over their claims, what they're doing in their work every day. And then he says, Listen, we don't trust in our work, David. He said, Look, we're not trusting in war horses, our armies, our kings, our power in battle. He said, That's not where my faith is. That's not where my trust is. Where is my trust? It's in God, who I fear right. David says, My trust is in God's work. Not man's work. God's work is superseding man's work in his past. God's work is providing for man's work. God's word, God's word and work calls us to trust Him. That's the summation. In verses 20-22, through the summary statement of this psalm is that God's word and God's work calls us to trust Him. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. See, God's word God's work is called they We see God as a prophet. We see it through over and over. For our heart is glad in Him, in God, because we trust, there it is, that's, that's why it's in the title, in His holy name, in His character, in His ability, in His word. We trust in Him, and our hearts are glad. Let your steadfast love, Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. So it ends by saying, Oh God, let us trust in you and let your word be the foundation and your works be the evidence of your goodness and your care for us and we're praise and worship you in spirit and truth, church. Because our hope is the end. I want to go back to the opening statements. All of you are worshiping something. He You can say that worship is ultimately You're driven by trust. You worship what you trust. So, my question to you is what are you going to trust? Are you going to trust the world and all the systems? I hope not. Sometimes they shut down. Are you going to trust in your ability? be a good husband with my hollow time, as I shared with other people here on Facebook, I don't need a book to tell me I failed. I
0: know that. Right, Paul? We know that. We don't need
1: a book to tell us we're good, we've just got a little problem and there, we've got a If you're trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in the world system, if you're trusting in anything other than God, it's going to be what this passage is shouting out to you. Is your trust is in the wrong place. But the megaphone is saying trust in the one who created it all and sustains it all by his work and is at work right now in everything that's going on in this world. That's who we can trust. That's who we can hold on to. That's who's holding on to. I want you to be encouraged as we come to a time of, of uh, coming to the Lord's Supper. I want you to think I want you to contemplate who it is we're coming to celebrate this supper with, and how and that he is worthy of our worship. I'm so hearing what you're talking about. He is very happy to lead us in time of preparing
0: for the